there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This crowd rises to its feet. Pacaro slammed it home. Garland left wing. Three ball. Perfect. Garland part of the lane. Locked up. Only pow. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Pow with the left hand and a foul. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. The Chase Down is presented by Fubo TV. Watch over 100 channels of live sports and TV for half the cost of cable. There's no contract and no commitment. Try for free at FuboTV.com. The Cleveland Cavaliers win a Donnie Brook against the Memphis Grizzlies on TNT. Big time win. Nice bounce back after their loss to Miami. And joining me today to discuss it is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy? Well, that was what the doctor ordered. Little, uh, a, a little double-digit win against a, a contender in the West. A little fracas. <laughs> uh, 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 some, some shoves happening. Some nether regions being swiped at. Um, just the kind of you know, you know the match that lit the candle, so to speak. I mean, really, really pleased with how the Cavs responded. Uh, took care of business. So many players played well. I really don't think almost anyone other than Donnie had a bad game. Yeah. Uh, in this one, um, it was a much needed win for uh, for your boys' uh, morale, and what I felt pretty good about coming in. Yeah, I, I felt good about this game coming in as well. Uh, we mentioned it when we were looking at the schedule, right? Like this was a game where Memphis was going to be on a back-to-back. It was going to be third game in four nights. Um, that doesn't just affect the Cavs when it happens, right? Like this is a league-wide thing where that's always the case. But you, we've seen it before, right? Like the, the game against Minnesota where we said, hey, that's like a schedule loss for the Wolves and the Cavs weren't able to, to close it out and, and blew a big lead against the Wolves. That wasn't the case tonight. This was a, a game where they did get tested. I, I think Memphis, uh, even though they were in a tough situation, they take this matchup seriously. That was a very intense game. Uh, we know that they like to measure themselves against other up-and-coming teams and teams that are among the best in their conference. And this was a, a matchup where you could definitely tell it was a little bit personal. They came out uh came out strong they made their own runs and pushes themselves uh beyond just the actual literal pushing that they did and uh the Cavs responded <laughs> and got a big time win yeah it was just it was i thought it was a really fun game pretty much the whole way through um obviously it's especially fun when the Cavs uh go on have the fourth quarter they had where they you know kind of blew the game open but i thought it was really competitive the whole way um bane is awesome uh, mm-hmm. Aldama, who is Aldama is a favorite of mine, and he really? killed the kid. Yeah, I, I really like Santi's game. That is one of the most hipster things you've said. I know. Uh, <laughs> listen, uh, as, as a as a as a lanky man with limited athleticism that gets by on pivoting and and a decent high post game, I, I find a kindred spirit in Santi Aldama, except he can shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, and, and uh, if we're going to look for a parallel with me, there's an annoying ass Canadian on Memphis too. <laughs> but yeah, so like you know, I thought I thought the Grizzlies fought really really hard in this one. I think they really made uh, Donnie work. But I I don't know. There's a lot of places to start on this one. I'm sure some of our listeners want some Dylan Brooks slander, but I think we should start with Darius because I think he played. I, I mean, he's had so many amazing games this year. I don't know if you could call it his best game no. of the year, but I think it was perhaps the game where I felt like he was most in control of the action. Well, this is another win for the agenda, Carter. Two games this year against Memphis. Twice, Darius Garland has outplayed John Morant. And, you know, this was a significant game for him. Like, he obviously started off the evening uh, snubbed from the All-Star team. Um, uh, among many snubs, I, I think people were pretty surprised by the results uh, in both conferences. Um, but we knew that there was a very good possibility that that was going to be the case because uh, the Eastern Conference is just ridiculous right now. Uh, there are several players that had all-star caliber seasons uh, that didn't make the team. And for Darius Garland, he's having the best season of his career. Um and wasn't selected to the team, but responded with a massive 31 and 11, uh, really set the tone early in this game, basically scoring or assisting on almost every bucket that they had. And um, I, I thought he showed a lot of toughness as well. Like Memphis was being very physical with him. There were times where he wasn't getting his calls and he was going through the contact, finding ways to finish. Uh, I think of the the possession in the third quarter there shortly after the Donnybrook, uh, where it seemed like on his drive to the basket, he got fouled four times and, and still managed to to power his way through and, and, and finish at the rim. And I, I just thought it was an incredibly impressive night from him. And, you know, it was a it was a little reminiscent, right? Like uh, Donovan of, of last year, because Donovan Mitchell didn't have a good night. He didn't have it going uh, when he was available for the game. And he was just really working that two men game with uh, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen um, and, and just a, a vintage performance from the 23 year old. Yeah, it was uh, just, I mean, complete control. He he had that dog in him too, you know, uh, was he, he saw a team that talks a lot and was talking a lot back. Um, a really, really great ISO game for him in terms of using his change of speeds to turn the corner uh, on on a really, really physical team. I think he kind of, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm uh, editorializing a little too much on behalf of our, our, our young point guard, but I do wonder if part of him was like, I think that Dylan Brooks thinks he can guard me and he can't. <laughs> because uh because you know uh obviously the way the the game just a couple weeks ago ended uh brooks you know did play great defense on darius down the stretch and and the Cavs weren't able to get away with the win and i just feel like he got a good look almost every play he wanted to um mm -hmm. and without ever and he never predetermined what he was doing with the ball every time he was making a read and figuring out what the defense was giving him and it was just, I thought, one of his cleanest performances of the year. I know he ended with four turnovers. I don't think he picked up his third till an offensive foul when the game pretty much decided. Just a masterclass. Yeah. And as what seems to be the case 
fairly frequently when it comes to Garland turnovers this year, um, especially after he kind of found his rhythm early in the season. I feel like 90% of his turnovers are travels, right? Like, it's not like he he's throwing it to Memphis ever, right? It's uh, either a, a bobble in traffic uh, where he's trying to feed it to somebody or it's it's him pivoting it and getting called for a travel. But uh, for, for the most part, he, he took terrific care of the basketball, basically a three to one assist to turnover ratio, which when I, I mentioned that he's having the best season of his career, uh, I know you meant you talked about this uh, at length on the dunker spot when we were on, but him turning, uh, getting the turnover numbers down this year, that's a, a significant part of his growth, along with his growth on the defensive end. And of course, you know, averaging a career high in points uh, on a career best efficiency do- doesn't hurt either. Like he, he was in full command of the game and you're right. It, it didn't feel like anything was predetermined. And I, I thought this was a great read and react game from the Cavs overall, where uh, the ball really had a lot of momentum and a lot of the field goals were coming off of assists. Like you have 11 assists for Garland. Uh, Mobley had five. Jared Allen had four. That big to big passing that's so crucial to what the Cavs do uh, was on full effect tonight. And even going up and down the lineup, like uh, Jetty had four, uh, Mitchell had three. Uh, now I'm just reading box scores. Rubio had four. I uh, like it, it. It was every a... post game pod's kind of feature a little box score reading. Guys. It, it's yeah, but it, it's it's to illustrate my point that the the ball really had momentum and. Um, I thought it w- was another game where I really liked the rotations as well. I love Lamar Stevens as a small ball four, and I thought he played really well. Jetty obviously played great. Ricky played great. It was it was just a, a real feel good win and a, a good collective effort from the Cavs overall. Yeah, I I don't know. It was funny I, watching Jetty take over the game late. Watching Ricky take over the game late. I just kind of keep going back to the fact that like. Whenever the Cavs look unbeatable, it typically involves those guys also going a little bit nuts. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, it it just feels like JB is getting very... I I wonder if he's starting to figure out, you know, what who he's going to play and when. Um, Because, like, it just... It gets really hard to, to justify not playing Jetty minutes... Even even though the lows are low with him, because it's like, man, what a ceiling raiser he is for this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know, a, a dude who, by the way, I think played some of the best off ball defense of his career tonight on Agreed. Desmond Bain. I know Bain had a, got his numbers. Bain is an awesome player, and you know, shoots the absolute crap out of the ball. And, I thought and he all- also uh, replaced the Levert role of uh, fouling Aldama, uh, shooting a three pointer <laughs> as well. <laughs> Naturally. But with that said, I thought he was really tracking Bain off ball really, really well and working to fight through screens without um, using his length, using uh, his size and using his speed to kind of stay connected for the most part. Uh, obviously, they had some some lapses that kept Memphis in this game. But again, I, uh, you know, even just looking again back at the box score, you know, one three out of the four quarters and uh, one of the quarters, they, they the one quarter they lost, they lost by one point. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, where their best player got ejected. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I I just really liked the consistency of the uh, from for this game from this team, and I don't know, man. I just Jetty's just really impressing me lately. Yeah, and, and you know what? You hit the nail on the head. Where 
when the Cavs look their best, you're getting the contributions from the guys off the bench, right? Like that was a big part of the early season success. And that was the story of why January didn't work out for the Cavs, in my opinion. Like it was inconsistent play, but the biggest thing was they weren't getting bench contributions. I mean, I, I pulled uh, the other day the, the uh, on-off splits for the month of January and the Cavs had a plus 11.5 net rating with Garland on the floor and a minus 10.3. Uh, you look at Jetty Osman, and he was team worst, negative 6.3 net rating in January when he was the plus minus god for the Cavs uh, for most of the year. And in January, they struggled the most when Jetty was on the court. And I think you can probably kind of attribute some of the minutes that he wasn't getting recently or the inconsistent minutes to that, right? Like the, the minutes weren't working out. He wasn't playing well. And I thought he played well within himself tonight and was one of his best games. And uh, a shout out to Jetty as well for passing J.R. Smith for fifth uh, on the Cavs all-time three-point makes list. I know that all-time three-point makes lists are like the most, uh, the, the least secure team records of all team records. Yeah. But but I do think it underst- underscores how long Jetty's been here, you know, and how many iterations of Jetty we've, we've, uh, we've watched over the years and I don't know. Uh, I, I'll tell you what, like if, if he's not in the rotation, uh, they, they need someone to be bringing the kind of things he brings because the kind of things he brings ain't no one else bringing, yeah. um, uh, well off the bench, obviously. Uh, and like, I, I well, just, e- even in the starting lineup, like uh, in terms yeah. of like a, a big wing that can hit a movement three and, and is willing to take them and be that connector. I mean, that's the whole thing with the Jetty Osman experience, right? Is that, it is uneven, but when he's on, it's exactly it's the, exactly the type of player as we approach the trade deadline that we would say, hey, we'd love to see this guy with the Cavs. Like, let's see what happens if we get him with Darius, Donnie, and Ricky. And uh, who knows? Like, uh, hopefully he, he can f- continue to find more of a groove uh, now that Ricky's looking more like himself and you kind of have that consistent playmaking with him. But I think the effort he was showing on the defensive end uh, was night and day different than Miami. And, you know, to his credit, I, I know people get frustrated uh, with inconsistent minutes for Jetty Osman, but to his credit, usually when he does get benched and doesn't really get opportunities in a game, he usually comes out and plays really well. Like he responds well uh, to those benchings. And uh, historically, like it, sometimes it does take a little bit of a reset and he responds in those moments. So I, I think uh, it goes to show that he does kind of have mental toughness and, and uh, he obviously believes in himself because I, I could see a situation like that um weighing on a player right where you kind of lose a little bit of confidence when uh your role isn't necessarily guaranteed and is based on how you're playing but i i always felt it was more it was less about jetty making his shots and more about the effort right like i i think when he's locked in and doing the right things you live with the results it's all about process over results when it comes to jetty yeah absolutely and you know it also helps to have a point guard with him on those second units, uh, mm. multiple point guards that can get him the ball where he needs to. And uh, I think we got to talk about the fourth quarter for Ricky too, man. <laughs> Ooh, that was some, uh, 21, 22 Cavaliers, Ricky Rubio stuff. Uh, I'll tell you what, I, that, that man can take a drifting, uh, transition corner three anytime he wants, as far as this guy is concerned. 
Yeah, I, I love the process there. Speaking of process over results, no, I, I that when Ricky is on, it's the most fun. Like I, there's very few things that happen with the Cavs that are more fun than a Ricky Rubio run, and uh, I, I thought he was terrific tonight. Um, this is this is the type of moment that you want to have him for, right? Like a, a big game against a, a tough team to play. And he, I thought he showed toughness on the defensive end. He's such a steadying force, the way he pushed the pace. I thought the Cavs played with great pace overall. Like, not, obviously, they get out and run at, after fast breaks. Um, Isaac Okoro is going to leak out in those situations. And I thought they did a good job finding both he and Jetty, because uh, both of them do a good job in transition. But I thought their tempo getting into their sets was a lot better in this game. And um, while the Cavs are never going to be a fast break team, it's all about that tempo, making sure that you're getting into your sets quickly and I think that's one of the things that Ricky has really uh brought to the table and I I like to see Darius doing that too I thought it was one of the better pace games that I've seen from Darius uh this season absolutely man uh it's just it's cool seeing Ricky figuring it out finding his confidence obviously I think there are going to be days where you know maybe the knee doesn't feel good he doesn't feel so confident in it um and even early in this game there was a, a play where I think it was Bain just went way under on a screen. He took kind of a feeble pull up three that, you know, did not hit well. And the next couple times he was wide open for three, he didn't take him. And I'm like, oh no, Ricky's not feeling super confident today. And then the fourth quarter happened. <laughs> so, you know, uh, goes to show jokes on me always. But just a really, really cool game. He's so easy to root for. And like the other thing that's really nice is like for anyone who frets about Darius's minutes and Donovan's minutes you know it's what we what we've talked about is like hey like just close out teams close the door and uh those guys will get to chill um and it's and I don't know there's there is little more satisfying to me I think because of the LeBron years where we would fall off every time he sat than team is up 12 with like you know let's say seven or eight minutes to go you get your you get your star that one last blow, see if you can survive. But instead of surviving, you blow the game open with your bench. Oh. Like that is the most fun thing. And they did that tonight. Um, you know, with most of the Grizzlies starters still on the floor, and they they closed the door. And like those kind of things really really matter for team morale. They really matter for faith and confidence uh, that JB can sit his guys. Um, uh, against a tough opponent who's playing well, and uh, yeah, it was just it was really fun to see that bench cook. Another good Dean Wade game, by the way, a very small box score game for him. He played only seventeen minutes, two of three, one of two from three, nothing crazy. But I really liked the defense he played, and I think Jaw hit a couple unbelievable shots over him mm-hmm. that were like Dean could not have played it better. Uh. That Jaw bank is one just a, in the yeah. third quarter was nuts. I, yeah, I mean, Jaw is just an alien. So I thought he played a really nice game too. I think everyone. I thought Lamar gave great minutes. So I was really, really pleased with how the bench played. And uh, to to your point that you've made, like January was a month where the starters won them games and the bench lost them. Uh, and so seeing the bench play the way they did tonight is just really, really important. Yeah, and I was actually shocked looking at the January numbers uh, of how the the starting lineup had performed. Um, Coming into tonight, uh, the numbers for tonight's game uh, aren't available yet. But in the month of January, uh, there was 15 games that Isaac Okoro started, 
uh, since he became the full-time starter. And the starting lineup of Garland, Mitchell, Okoro, Mobley, and Allen had a plus 20.5 net rating Carter. Uh, And it wasn't just on the defensive end, right? Like they had a 123 offensive rating, which would be by far the best in the league. Uh, 102.5 defensive rating, which would be by far the best in the league. And the thing that's even more nuts So they only played eight games in January, four wins, four losses. In the four losses, they had a plus 31.8 net rating in those games. And um, the the minutes were down in those games. Um, In in comparison, it was about 16 in the wins and 14 in the losses, which makes some sense because you did have um, a a win where uh, Donovan left against... um, uh, New Orleans. I, I think there was a game uh, where, oh, I know there was a game, the Miami game, where Darius had to sit the third quarter. So that kind of takes out some of those lineup minutes. Um, but overall, I, I think the Cavs seem to have found something with this Isaac Okoro starting lineup here. Like the, the lineup data has been really, really damn good. And Okoro's been a terrific glue guy for them, I, I think, throughout this run. And the fact that that's coinciding with Mitchell not playing his best basketball means that you might have a little bit more room off the, you know, room to grow there. Um, I thought Isaac was really great tonight. I thought he, I thought, you know, surprise, surprise, but he, I thought he guarded jaw better than anyone else. And I also liked the way that they attacked jaw using, uh, Okoro. We got the N one to start the second half, uh, just was big with jaw and foul trouble. Yep. Just a quick seal. Um, uh, our dear friend Chris Manning was thrilled because our boy was used as a roller in the pick and roll. <laughs> I, I mean, I love to see it because in the first game against Memphis, they hit jaw on Okoro, right? Like the, the um, basically Had 17 in that one, too, I believe. Yeah, I think that was the game he went four or six from three, right? Like he made him pay uh, with that outside shooting. But I like the adjustment in this game, knowing that they're going to put jaw on Isaac Okoro to get Okoro involved in a lot of the offensive actions, right? Like he's been used a lot more as a screener, uh, both on and off ball lately. I think that's been part of why the starting lineup has been so good, even though they have three technically not great shooters uh, in that starting lineup. Uh, But getting Okoro involved involved in the screen game made sure that John Morant was going to be involved on the defensive end right and he is a very poor defensive player so uh by getting jaw involved in those in those situations I thought it's more impactful than Isaac Okoro going four or six like he did in game one right like this is keeping him involved getting him in foul trouble the the quick seal to, to start the third quarter as you mentioned uh the the yeah that like that post up was awesome and I, I just think his activity overall has been so much higher and I know we've talked about the block and steal rates being up the rebounding is, is way up for him I I just love that he's you're always feeling his presence on the court, even on nights against Miami where he only had uh, the five points. I felt his presence in the game because he's just so active off ball and and is much more involved in the offense, even when he's not scoring. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think that's a really good call out that like sometimes engagement trumps space, even, even if your, your shots are falling and definitely thought he was super engaged tonight. And, you know, maybe it was just because Ja was in foul trouble and they were looking to see if they could get a couple cheapos on him. But like, I do think like sometimes you stumble into things that are instructive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do think there was something instructive about the way they, they used him, especially if they're going to play 
with more wing-sized players at the four. You know, uh, another uh, healthy scratch for Kevin Love tonight. Mm -hmm. Not that he's exact, you know, like a plotter, but like he's going to be the one in the screening action when he's out there a lot of the time. But like if it's Dean Wade out there at the four, why not have Isaac screen, you know, and, and see what he can do. We've, I've, I've always liked Isaac's decision making as a playmaker, even if the skill set hasn't always been there. And, you know, uh, just a real box score filling game for him. 12, three, two, and three. Um, and, and really, really good defense on jaw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he's coming into his own man. Like uh, he, he just turned 22 years old and we've, pointed this out a million times before he's only a couple months older than Mobley Uh, I know he's been around longer but he came in in really weird situations and I I just really feel like he's putting it all together and um, again we don't know what his future role is going to be like I'm not committed to him needing to be the starter if this lineup keeps working uh, I I think uh, you keep rolling with it but no matter what like I, I feel much better about him being a top seven uh, player in the rotation and honestly like this type of activity and what he's doing in this game and over the last month this is how he becomes a playoff performer right like it, everyone talked about the three-point shooting but it's keeping him involved uh having him used as a screener you doing all these creative things right like that was the thing we talked about last year about how brooklyn used bruce brown uh despite not being a strong shooter as a more active involved member of the offense. And and for me, obviously the three point numbers have been a lot better for Okoro, but it's the activity and the multitude of ways that he gets involved with the team. And obviously the, I think the improvements he's made on defense as well. Like I think all of that contributes uh, to him being a much more effective player and someone that I, I can see being part of a playoff rotation. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's absolutely fair. Obviously I think, the only thing there is that you do kind of need you need the the Mobley stuff. It's hard to have two guys like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Like if Mobley is going to operate in that role of being the the guy who isn't the starting five, but still is, you know, not exactly a great spacing threat. Like they're they're going to have to figure that stuff out. I'm not saying they can't do it, but like I do still think they're going to need enough shooting just to help supplement around that. Um. You know, I, I don't think that they're a finished roster product still, um, at least as far as I'm concerned. Oh, no. because of that. Yeah, lack I, of I wasn't suggesting movement. that to, to be. Clear. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't mean that, but uh, or that you were suggesting it. But it, it is the way it does feel like the blueprint, because like we've talked about this a lot, like unless Isaac becomes PJ Tucker from the corners and even then teams still leave that dude all the time, you mm-hmm. know, like. A year of shooting 37% from three, even with one more attempt a game, which sounds reasonable, it's not like all of a sudden his gravitational pull numbers are going to go off the charts. Like, reputation takes a really long time to wash away. So, like, you're going to have to engage your your defender in, in different ways. And, and, I, and I'm wondering if they'll kind of use this tape and, you know, realize that there are a lot of roads up that mountain with Isaac. Yeah, and hopefully as he builds the reputation, you know, he he gets allowed to to do a little more contact. And I, I think his reputation in that sense has improved. Like, I, I think he's gone away 
with a little more contact and he's allowed to be more physical and, and that's great. And I mean, hopefully one day he has a sterling reputation, just like our sponsor zoom support for this podcast and the following message comes from zoom half a million businesses connect using zoom, a single platform for phone chat workspaces, events, apps, and video zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Knew who else was connecting, Carter? Our boy, uh, Evan Mobley. I, I can't believe we went this long. I, I, I guess that's a testament to how many things went right for the Cavs that we did not talk about our big man that put up 17 points, 14 rebounds, five assists, two blocks, and one steal against the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, I mean, and not the most efficient scoring night, but like to me, what's most interesting about this recent Evan Mobley run is just the attempts. He's, he put up 17 shots tonight, mm-hmm. uh, got to the line five times. Over his last, like ever since that Milwaukee game, he's put up 27 11, 16, 18, 9, and the Clippers shellacking, so I'm not going to count that one. Uh, 15 against Miami, and then 17 tonight. And, like, you know, people are talking, like, how do we get this guy up to, you know, 15 to 20 shots a game? And we're like, ah, I don't know if he can, if, like, uh, that that feels like a hard number to hit with all the other volume shoes. No, he's just doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, sometimes you don't need the context. He's just been super aggressive and confident. And, like, it just feels like something's a little different with him uh, on that end. Like, you know, this is not a banner offensive outing. 17 points on 17 shots for a big man is, like, fine, you know. Uh, but it's not unbelievable. But it was just the – he really only had – I think really one shot where I was like, oh, he ran out of real estate on that one and didn't get a clean look. I think I think he's firing with confidence. Uh, he's really trusting his footwork and and his size. And man, dude was devouring rebounds tonight. Mm-hmm. So just, I thought a really exciting game for Mobley um, despite a seven for 17 uh, shooting. And like, that's the kind of stuff I love to see, especially since it came in a win. Yeah, no, no kidding. And we should mention that uh, Carter reading Mobley's box scores is brought to you by our buddy Hiram. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I've been thrilled with him, man. And like part of why I felt like this team is close to putting it together. And I, I don't think they're there yet. I don't think we're out of the woods. Um, I, I still expect a, a little bit of up and down play. You know me. I'm in the macro I'm high and I'm optimistic on the Cavs in the micro game to game basis. There's going to be ebbs and flows, right? Look at Ricky Rubio out here. Not too high, not too low. Exactly. Right. Now just calmly running the show. Um, No, like you look at the month of January and Mobley average 17 and nine. Like I, I really feel like he's starting to really put it all together. And when you have Darius playing his best basketball, maybe ever, like I, I think, over the last month or so, I, I think he's starting to get back to that level that we saw him uh, in November where he was terrific. And uh, I think he's playing the best basketball of his career. Mobley's playing the best basketball of his career. Okoro, uh, Jared Allen, uh, who, who we haven't talked about 
yet, but had a terrific game himself and some really, really big moments when the Cavs needed it. Um, the most important parts of this team are all clicking, and that's without Donovan playing well, right? Like the lineups are still great with Donovan, even without him playing well. And if you just get a little bit more reliability from the bench, uh, you eliminate uh, some of these growing pains as you try to reintegrate pieces into the lineup. Um, I think once you smooth that out, things are going to go a lot better. And you look at these recent losses, like you look at the game against the Knicks. Yeah, Julius Randle goes 8 of 12 from 3. The three-point loss against Miami, you shoot 11 of 40 from 3 and 50% from the free throw line, right? Like we're talking about thin, thin margins against teams that have played pretty well. Uh, New York just beat Miami tonight, I should mention. So the Cavs are now two and a half games up on the, the sixth seed and only half game back a fourth. Like, I, I just think they're very close to putting it all together. And we'll see if changes come at the trade deadline. But with or without changes, like, I think this is a very good roster. And we're going to start to see them play up to their potential. Here's the thing. You look at um, in the macro, and I, I think we were both hard on them against Miami. Um, uh, or at least I was. Um, just in terms of being a little disappointed, you know. Not not mad, but just like just kind of waiting for the run of consistently good play to start. And I th- I think with a little hindsight and with you know a post win uh, tent uh, on my glasses, mm-hmm. you look at their last several games. The Rockets game was an absolute thumping. Uh, OKC was third game uh, in four nights, if I if I recall yeah. correctly. Yeah. Um. Uh, it, so that was tough, but then they schlacked the Clippers, played well against the Heat, uh, despite a loss. Uh, at least in my opinion, I thought they had a, played a good game that they just couldn't quite close. Mm-hmm. And then, and then played a good game against the Grizzlies. So we are getting a little, a smidge more consistent. And even against the Knicks, I don't think they played terribly, um, by any means. So, um, I feel like they're getting a little bit better. Um, you know, I, I don't feel like they're doing even though the record might say win-loss, 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 I'm not sure that I'm seeing bad game, bad game, you know, bad game, good game, bad game, good game. Mm. Uh, and that that's progress, you know, and ideally results will follow. Yeah, it's, I, I think they are starting to find a little bit of a rhythm, right? And, and obviously roster continuity is something that they haven't had a lot of this year, but they're starting to have more, right? And um, I <laughs> would have liked a, a little more roster continuity if Donovan Mitchell wasn't thrown out of this game. We should probably touch on the the tussle uh, that happened, the, the Donnie Brook in Cleveland. Um, Dylan Brooks, you know, it's it's hard to believe uh, that uh, <laughs> that wasn't somewhat intentional. Uh, he, he does have a little bit of a reputation. He did appear to, to look and hit Donovan. I don't blame uh, Mitchell for reacting the way he did in that spot either. Uh, obviously, you know, that's Memphis is going to test you. Right. And I I just thought it showed a good amount of toughness for the Cavs because that happened right as Memphis was making a big run, uh, to, to cut the halftime lead down. Um, you, you know, they're going to get energized by that moment as well. And, you know, the trade off of Donovan Mitchell for Dylan Brooks on on paper, that's a, a loss for the Cavs, but to show the composure in that moment, um, I thought that showed a lot of toughness, uh, and that obviously started with Darius because I think he had a terrific run there. Uh, Okoro had a stretch uh, where I think like three possessions were either scored or, or got the assist to, to Ricky. Uh, Jared Allen with some big blocks and uh, just really, really good team play and 
controlled team play, which I think was the biggest thing because there were times where Miami rushed them with what they were doing defensively and the way that they played. Cleveland, even though they played up tempo in this game, it didn't feel like they were being rushed, right? Like it didn't feel like this is a Memphis style game that they're dictating the pace and and the Cavs are just kind of along for the ride. They felt like they were in control the whole time. And I, I thought that that was a impressive showing of composure. Yeah, I think uh, JB gets a lot of flowers for this. Uh, obviously, you know we only have so much visibility. We have the broadcast, and we have, uh, you oh, know, uh, we'll get to the broadcast in a minute. I got words for Reggie Miller. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what Reggie Miller was seeing, uh, but uh, you know, uh, I really like that. You know, uh, I feel like he towed the line really well between mm-hmm. vociferously defending his guy. Um, you know, kind of throwing, uh, you know, uh, def- you know, defending the fact that you know Donovan had, uh, had a reasonable gripe, uh, while also keeping the team, you know, contained. Uh, they 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 played the uh, the coaching audio right after uh, the Donnie Brook, uh, and was basically like, "Listen, guys, like it, we're gonna have to just respond here, and we're gonna have to respond like even keeled. We're gonna have to be measured. We can't." We can't lose our cool um, just because, you know, we can't get baited into this. Yeah, and Um, and pointing out that, hey, they're going to probably have a tight whistle here, right? Like any contact, they don't want the situation to escalate. So understand that. Go straight up, right? Like play controlled. And um, I thought it was absolutely the right messaging in that spot. And uh, And, the Cavs responded. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, just an amazingly... Uh, resolute quote uh, in the post po- post game uh, uh, presser. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say the word, but uh, he said we don't have the guys that start bleep, but we have guys that don't run from bleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I forgot I have a uh, I, I I have a bleep button on my mixer. I, I really I really blew an opportunity there. Uh, either way, uh, you know, an absolutely amazing quote from JB. Um, to kind of just talk about like, hey, like this team might be like a nice team, like full of nice guys, but we're not soft. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that's the kind of message you're gonna have to. They're gonna have to go prove that because uh, teams are gonna teams are gonna try to rough these guys up, uh, especially in the postseason, and they're gonna have to prove exactly what JB just said. That yeah, and, and it's funny because I think I I think their inexperience has shown quite a few times this season, right? Like, I, I think we, we've talked about a lot, like decision-making down the stretch in some of these close games has not been strong uh, for, for Darius. It hasn't been strong for Donnie. Um, I, I know you and I have both been on that they need to kind of use the bigs more in those spots. And uh, there, there's been moments where they haven't shown composure. But I do think that this is also a team that has shown the other side of that, right? Like they've they have a six and zero record in overtime. They they have had a lot of comeback games. Um, they've now improved to sixteen and zero at home when leading at halftime. Like that's that's a pretty good job taking care of business. Uh, when when you start out strong, you're finishing strong. And yes, they've blown some games at home as well, uh, where where they weren't leading at halftime, but had a fourth quarter lead. But I I don't think that. Toughness means you're never going to show cracks. You're never going to show flaws. You're not going to make mistakes. I think toughness is not letting that spiral, right? Like having the composure to to come back from a tough game against Miami, uh, which I, I thought was a tough loss, not necessarily a bad loss. Um, but I would agree. But, you, you know, like 
it's not letting your setbacks turn into five, six game losing streaks. And uh, while it's frustrating to alternate wins and losses, uh, again, I think uh, we we probably should have factored that more into our podcast planning. Um, But, you know, it's, I, I think it is ultimately a good sign, but it's it's a sign of how inexperienced this team is. And I, I don't think that that's something that's necessarily going to change this year. But I think what we want to see down the stretch uh, of the season is a, a little more consistency, right? Like just the frequency of these setbacks. Let's just dial that down. Let's Let's string some wins together, a frustrating loss here or there. But just, you know, building momentum in the right direction so that when we get to the postseason, you're you're in a better position, right? You can say, hey, uh, even if you go down uh, in a playoff series where let's say you take care of business at home, but you don't get one on the road and and you don't look good in in those two games, um, just kind of having that muscle memory of, hey, things haven't gone right for us at various times throughout the season. But we've found ways to dig deep and bounce back from that. And I think that's all valuable learning experiences. And one of the things that I'm going to be keeping my eye on uh, the remaining 28 games. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Yeah, absolutely. You want to see them start to string some of these together. You got seven games before the All-Star break. Um, You know, if you're coming in, winning. Really, like, the thing is, they played 500 ball the rest of the way. They win 46. Yeah, they've won 46 games. Um, you know, they 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 win 2 out of 3, you know, or you know, 4 out of 7 the rest of the way. Um, even like five, you know, some someone in that neighborhood. Like now you're really cooking with gas and you're really pushing back for a home court slot. You know, KD's going to be coming back and they're going to be uh they're you know, Brooklyn's going to be tough to catch. Philly's going to be tough to catch, but I think that the, the to your point that you've always maintained is that the schedule's getting easier, and if this team is who we think they are, they're going to have a real shot at it. Yeah. I, I still think five is the absolute floor for this team. Um, I, I got cocky in the Discord a few times, and I said I don't think the Cavs fall to six at any point this season. Um, they they got through what, what I believe to be the, the toughest month of the year, and they faced a lot of adversity too uh, with, with injuries and things like that throughout the month. So um, like, as you said, even if they go 500 ball and they win 46, that means Miami has to go 17 and 12 to pass them. Um, obviously they could maybe go 16 and 13 if they win both of the games and tiebreakers and all that kind of stuff. But um, like the Cavs control their own destiny and they have a lot of games against the teams ahead of them with the exception of Milwaukee. You got at least two games versus all these teams you're still within punching distance. Like you're half game back at Brooklyn. Like I, I still feel good about my uh, prediction that they can get the three seed. I think that's where I think this lands. 
Um, but they're going to have to start now, man. Like you, you can't drop more in these games. Uh, I, I feel good about their ability to get to 50 wins. That's only four games over 500 over the remaining 28 games. Like that's not very difficult to do, but at the same time, winning 50 games is difficult. Like there's franchises that have gone like a decade plus that haven't won 50 games. So I think if they could do that, that's, that'd be a real feather in their cap. And, uh, they got to start now, man. Like, I think this is the type of game where you can rally around this. You have two games, two days off before you play a road back-to-back against Indiana and Washington. And that's not easy. That's a tough situation to go through. But, you know, it's it's time. Let's let's see the it's East cap- Coast, you know. It's an East Coast back-to-back. There are worse back-to-backs out there with far less rests surrounding them. Yeah, they, they don't play a single game in the Western time zones for the, the rest of the season, I believe. Like I think My sleep schedule will thank you. Yeah, I think they got the uh, the game in New Orleans that, that's central, which, again, is the best time zone for uh, sports watching. Uh, but for the most part, like you're, you're not playing on, on the West Coast at all like this. That's a, a favorable thing for them. And this stretch uh, before the All-Star break is weird. Like the, there's going to be some real tough kind of weird scheduling that they have to deal with. But I'd like to see them. It's time to win some games that they're not supposed to win, where you are kind of in an adverse situation. And uh, I thought situationally, they've been better at that. Like the OKC game, you had tired legs. You didn't hit your shots, but they really attacked the basket. In this game, they attacked the living hell out of the basket with Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson Jr. out. Um, let's let's go do that. Let's, let's go win some of these games. And uh, obviously, you have an opportunity to do that in Indiana, who just got Tyrese Halliburton back. That's going to make things a, a lot more difficult in that matchup. Absolutely. I'm really, really excited to see how this goes. I, I thought this was a really galvanizing win, just for me even, just as a fan, you know. Um, uh, it's fun when things – obviously, no one likes uh, that there, there was a, a fracas, uh, a fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, I'm just uh, happy no one actually got hurt, hurt yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, an issue. But, you know, it is one of those things that can kind of galvanize you, get things – Get 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 the team feeling a little bit hyped, and I just feel, I just really was appreciative of how they answered um, uh, that that you know situation that could you know that had everyone on tilt, rightfully yeah. so. So, um, really hope to see them carry that over, and uh, th- there's room for some runway into a in, into the All Star break. Mm-hmm. And uh, last year, you know, their record was I think almost identical to what it is this year. Yep, uh, at this time of year. And they limped into the all-star break um, and limped out of it, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. Uh, so th- it'll be really exciting to see how they how they respond uh, in this in this environment. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think it's worth stating because I, I've seen this talking point come up a bunch about how the you, you know, you add Donovan Mitchell and your record isn't any different. You know, the, I think we all realize the Eastern Conference is a whole lot better. At this time of year, last year, Boston was a 500 team. Chicago was near the top. Brooklyn, Kevin Durant missed serious time. Kyrie was out basically the whole season with the vaccine situation. Uh, Philadelphia uh, had guys just, missing a lot of time. Yeah, they the just had traded situation. for James Harden. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, the Eastern Conference was a lot lighter <laughs> than it was now. And also, like... Our injured part of the season was the front end. Like, we've been through that. Last year, they were relatively healthy for the most part uh, up until just, you know, all the kind of compounding injuries of Sexton, Rubio, Garland, marketing, and everything that happened there. Cavs are, are second in player games missed this season and still 
have this record. Like, I, I think that's really impressive and um, it is an unnecessary amount of adversity for a team that was going to go through growing pains to begin with, right? So J- JB said it best, man. There are seven teams that have 30 wins in the NBA right now, and we're one of them. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm interested. Like, I, I think if I had to make a prediction, and I, I'm going to do a little bit of a prediction because I'm going to be off. you're disappearing on yeah, me, man. Off for the next week and a half. I'm, I'm going to miss the trade deadline. I, I, I hate to do that to you, but it was also minus 40 here. So I, I think... Uh, I think that's a my cue to go down to Mexico for a little bit. <laughs> a, a true MVP is uh, is podcasting from beachside. That's true. That's true. But I, I know how much of an audio snob you are, and w- with your expensive mixer and and whatnot. But uh, if I have to make a bit of a prediction here uh, over how they go into the All Star break, I think it's it's going to be tough. Like I think it's going to be a little uneven. Uh, already mentioned the road back to back of Indian Washington. Then you're home for Detroit. You have a day off. You fly to New Orleans. Then you fly back home to play Chicago. Like that's weird. Three games, three nights, four cities. Like that's that's a tough little situation for them. But if they can, I think they should win three of the four at minimum. If they can navigate this situation, like if you sweep that road back to back and 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 win a couple of those games, preferably the ones against Detroit and Chicago, because that's going to be really important for tiebreakers. Um, but you navigate that stretch well, I think that really positions them to take advantage of this post all-star game stretch where they really don't play a lot of playoff teams outside of really important litmus test games against Philly, against Boston, against, um, whoever else is up there. I'm excited for another couple cracks at Boston, man. Like, Like, God, I love playing that team. I like the way we match up and I feel like there's such a good measuring stick for us. And Brooklyn's another one, right? So, and, and Miami, they they play Miami twice as well, right? That's going to be a tough two, little two game road stand in Miami, right? Uh, so, I, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities to get more statement wins to really make a, a kind of a strong impression and announce yourselves as here that you're going to make a serious run. So, I'm I'm very intrigued for how this goes, but. I'm I'm also looking forward to to listening to your coverage uh, on the podcast while I'm off uh, for I guess probably like the next three podcasts. Yeah, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be lonely without you. I'm gonna have to actually do some prep work, which I don't appreciate. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, I think I think we'll be just fine. You're in good hands, gang. We're gonna have some cool guests come through, um, some some guest co-hosts, and uh, Justin will get his uh, his beauty R and R. God knows he needs it. I'll, I'll probably still be feeding you stats. Uh, I'll probably still be uh, feeding you maybe a statement after the trade deadline for you to read on air like a, a hostage video. <laughs> that that oh. might be a little bit of fun. Absolutely, buddy. Send send the. I got I got ideas. We'll 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 make sure you're involved somehow. All right, sounds good, buddy. Uh, big thanks to everyone that tuned in live on YouTube. A uh, lot more fun than the last one we did, and, and we appreciate you guys being here. If you want to support us, you can like and subscribe. Click the notification bell so you know when we're going live. If you're listening via podcast and you want to support us, you can leave us a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. Until next time, Joking.